Here we are. It is a Tuesday. It is Super Tuesday. It's Super Duper Pooper Scooper Tuesday. Everybody's so excited. Tonight we find out whether Donald Trump is going to be stopped or whether I put my face in a garbage disposal. Those are apparently the two choices for this evening. We'll talk all about Super Duper Pooper Scooper Tuesday and what it means for America. We'll also talk about the latest from the Breitbart News situation and many more things that will interest you as we do every single day. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. Alrighty, so here we are. And let's start off with a big thank you to our sponsor, our brand new sponsors over at Hillsdale College. As I say, Hillsdale College is a wonderful place. Anybody who you're thinking about sending your kid to college, you should definitely be looking at Hillsdale College one of the only conservative institutions in America, a place that actually teaches founding values. And they have a brand new program that is very cool. You can go over to the, this, this new course they teach. They have all these free online courses, and they're really great. I've listened to them personally, so I can vouch for how good they are. They have a free online course called Constitution 101 at Hillsdale College. You can sign up for Constitution 101 for free at hillsdale.edu slash Ben. Make sure that you add the slash Ben so that they know that you're coming via our podcast. That's hillsdale.edu slash Ben. We want everybody in the United States to know about the Constitution, to know your rights. You should know your rights. You should know when they're being violated. You should know enough to know when the system of, of government put in place by our founders is being destroyed from within or without. And that's what Hillsdale is there to help you do. So sign up for the Constitution 101 course at hillsdale.edu slash Ben. Okay, so we'll start off with... I know a lot of people are watching right now because of the the interest in the Breitbart News debacle, the fact that I stepped down from Breitbart News. I read my statement on the air at the end of, of yesterday's show, the one that the BuzzFeed ran, the, the one that BuzzFeed printed. Um, and uh, there are certain developments that are happening that I can't tell you about for legal reasons, let's put it that way. But I can say that you know I, have, I was on the Today Show this morning. I was on Fox News last night. Uh, Megan Kelly had me on with uh, with Michelle Fields, and I want to start off by saying to all of you Michelle Fields truthers out there who believe that she bruised her own arm and that this is all nonsense and that she wasn't grabbed and that the tape shows that this is all a hoax, you're idiots. I understand that 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 you know you're you're very loyal to Donald Trump and you want to stand up for him. Yay, Donald Trump! I understand. You know, we're all very excited for you, but tape shows Corey Lewandowski grabbing Michelle Fields by the arm and he bruised her. End of story. That's it. That's the whole thing. And if somebody did that to my wife, I'd be pissed. Michelle had a right to be pissed. Michelle had a right to ask for an apology. She had a right to ask for more than that. Lewandowski did not apologize. Instead, Lewandowski doubled down, and Breitbart went with Lewandowski's story over Michelle Fields's. It was a disaster area, and they made clear where they stand. They made clear that they stand with the Trump campaign, overstanding not only over their, with their own reporter, but overstanding with the basic truth, which is that Corey Lewandowski grabbed her by the arm. Uh, and that's really pretty disgusting. And it doesn't really matter whether you think that it was egregious. Nobody suggested, by the way, that Michelle Fields was taken and thrown on the ground and beaten to death with a pike. No, nobody suggested that. Nobody suggested that she was raped by Corey Lewandowski. Nobody has suggested any of these things. Nobody even really suggested that this was a major physical incident in which her arm was ripped off and she was beaten to death with it. Nobody said any of that, particularly not Michelle. What Michelle said has been very consistent from the beginning. She was grabbed by the arm. She was pulled by the arm, yanked by the arm. She was bruised on the arm. She stumbled a little bit, and she regained her balance. That was the whole thing, and it was reported by Ben Terrace of the Washington Post, too. If you don't think that Michelle is telling the truth, maybe you think Ben Terrace is also lying, and you think that 
she went home, Michelle, and she had her arm bruised by Jamie Weinstein. Honestly, for the people who believe that, that Barack Obama was born in Kenya, despite all evidence to the contrary, and the people who believe that Ted Cruz was born in Canada or ineligible for the presidency, it isn't a big stretch to simply look at tape and pretend that it doesn't exist. But, you know, if that's the game that you want to play, I'll leave you to it. I hope you enjoy yourselves. You're right. It's a, it was all just a giant hoax, because if a, if a good-looking girl like Michelle were going to hoax somebody, right, clearly the way that you're going to hoax somebody is not by getting Corey Lewandowski in a room alone and then claiming rape or something. What you're going to do is go in a room full of 100 people and then get yanked on the arm and then talk about being yanked on the arm. Clearly, that's what's going on here. You're all morons. That's all I can say for you. If you truly believe this is a hoax, you're stupid. Or presumably, at one point, you work for you were writing that for Breitbart News. Those are the only two possible options. So, all right. I was on Megyn Kelly last night. She asked me, why is this a story, given the fact that you know, Michelle isn't egregiously injured, and here was my answer to Megyn Kelly last night. So why you know, is this a story? Where... I mean, in, ben, in your view, Ben, mm -hmm. apart from, you know, the implosion of Breitbart, and, and it's, it's part of the civil war that we're seeing in some, you know, from some on the right, why is this a story? Well, I mean, I think the idolatrous worship of the Trump campaign by some people in the media leading to them covering up the truth is is a major story. And as you say, I think it's, it's, it's again a story because the Trump campaign never acknowledges mistakes, never acknowledges their responsibility for violence, never acknowledges anything that they do wrong. It's a no apologies campaign. That's why he's popular. But that does have consequences and it does have victims. You know, in this case, it was just a bruise on the arm. But, you know, there, there are other cases where it's more than that. And one of the other cases in which it's more than that is, for example, that black guy getting clocked at one of the Trump rallies, right? And then Trump saying on national TV that maybe he'd pay for the defense of the guy who clocked that guy in the face. So this has a lot to do with the Trump campaign. It has a lot to do with Breitbart. And it has a lot to do with the media's worship for Trump. You know, people have been asking, OK, so I've alleged that Breitbart News is a very pro-Trump website. That's because I can read, folks. It's because I'm literate. If you're literate and you've been following Breitbart News for months— and obviously, this is the case. There's a, a website that has popped up online that's kind of funny called Trumpbart.com, which is, which is you know, a takeoff on Breitbart. They did the formatting all the same as Breitbart. And there are a lot of people who, who believe that. I mean, Megyn Kelly mentioned on last night's Fox News show that there are a lot of people who call it Trumpbart. So people were asking me, so why does Breitbart do this? Why do they do this? And I think there are three reasons why Breitbart did this. One reason is because Trump is great for traffic. He just is. He's great for traffic. You talk about Trump. Particularly if you talk in a positive way about Trump, your ratings will go up. And there are a lot of people in the media who are willing to sell their soul for those ratings. There are a lot of people who are willing to go along with a guy who's an authoritarian demagogue simply to gain in the ratings. And I know that Andrew Clavin's been talking about this. I can guarantee you, look, I, I see our traffic, right? I see our traffic online. I see our traffic on our, on our podcast. We're gradually growing and steadily growing to the point where we now have nearly 40,000 people every day listening to the Ben Shapiro show, which is wonderful, listening to our podcast. If I were a big Trump supporter, I guarantee you would be higher than that. Because the fact is that Trump is a very popular man, and he says a lot of politically incorrect things, and so people like that. Okay, that's one reason to support Trump is, is for the cash. The second reason is because you think that, that Donald Trump says things that need to be said. So there's a great cartoon in The New Yorker that Andrew Clavin forwarded to me, and it, it makes me sad that I'm now finding common cause with some people on the left who are ripping Trump, but when people are right, they're right. This is my key rule in life, my key rule in life. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Facts don't care about your feelings, and facts don't care where they came from. So there's a cartoon in The New Yorker, which is generally a terrible publication. But the cartoon showed this couple watching a TV screen, and inside the TV screen is Satan. And they're saying to each other, well, sure, it's Satan, but he's saying things that need to be said. 
And th- and there is that feeling for a lot of folks about Trump. I like Trump, and, and we're going to cover Trump because he says that he slaps the media. So Breitbart, for a long time, has said the left media is terrible. Early on, if you look at my coverage of Trump, when he first jumped in, I was saying the same things. I was saying, for example, I think that he's slapping some of the right people. Like when he tells Jorge Ramos that he needs to actually just not interrupt other people, that's a good thing, right? To, I was saying some of these things, too. And then gradually it became clear that Trump was more than just slapping the wrong people. He was slapping everybody, and particularly he was disgracing conservatism. And then there's a third reason, and that is ego. There are a lot of people who really want to glom onto a winner, and they see Trump as a winner, and they think they can ride him all the way to the top. And this is really what I want to talk about today. So what I want to talk about today is this weird idea that's going around that Donald Trump is going to be just fine as president, that he's going to be just fine. If he's elected, we're cool. I understand the lesser of two evils argument. I get the lesser of two evils argument. You know, you want to say that he's not going to be as bad as Hillary Clinton. She's guaranteed to be a crap show. He's just a crap shoot. He could be anywhere. You know, that, that's an argument that I get. Dennis Prager made this argument to me last week on his radio show. I don't agree with it because if he's a crapshoot, how have we done with, with Republican crapshoots in the past? Has that worked out well for us? John Roberts on the Supreme Court, for example. Has that been a real boon for us? How about Souter? How about Kennedy? How about Sandra Day O'Connor? Has that worked out well for us? Or in politics? Has it worked out great when we trusted somebody to, who's kind of a black box to do the right thing? When has that actually worked out well? The last person we did this with was probably Dwight D. Eisenhower. And for my money, Eisenhower is one of the more overrated presidents in American history particularly on foreign policy. So, there, there, but there are a lot of people out there who are saying, okay, well, Trump, you know, well, don't worry. How will we assure that he doesn't just become an ego monster that eats everything or pees on it? How can we be sure that that is what happens? We will control him. He'll get in. He doesn't have a lot of ideas. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He'll need experts, and then he will rely on the experts who surround him. So, for example, Ben Carson basically said this yesterday. He, he, he was endorsing Trump, and, and this is the most tepid form of endorsement you could possibly come up with. I mean, if just watch the endorsement, and you will see Ben Carson. Wow. Here, here he was on Newsmax TV yesterday. Now, on your support, I know why you, you explained why you supported him, why you're supporting him, but it was a 180-degree turnaround uh, for the most part. I mean, he said some nasty things uh, about you. How do you reconcile that? Uh, politics. You know, the politics of personal destruction, you know, that's nothing new. I mean, that's, that's been going around for a long period of time. But also, I, I have to look at what is practical. I, I didn't see a path for Kasich, who I like, or for Rubio, who I like. Um, as far as Cruz is concerned, I don't think that he's going to be able to draw independents and Democrats, unless he has some kind of miraculous change. Um, So I I have to look at what is practical and what is going to save this country and the American dream for the next generation. Do you you Uh, believe... Is is there another scenario that I would have preferred? Yes, but that scenario isn't available. Okay, Okay, with one of the other candidates, you mean? Yes. So, in other words, Donald Trump is the only one left to endorse because he's going to win. Right? He's going to win, so I'm going to endorse him. That bad as tepid endorsement as you could possibly have. Well, I chose the chocolate ice cream because it turns out that every other ice cream flavor had rat crap in it. Okay, well, th- thank you, Dr. Carson. That's a, that's a stirring recommendation for the chocolate, so thank you for that. Ben Carson then continued, and he said that, you know, the real reason why he did this is because he was basically bribed to do it. Here's Dr. Carson. 
Now, I do believe, uh, and certainly in my discussions with, with Donald Trump, uh, he does love America, and he does want to be successful. And he will surround himself with very good people. And will one of them be Dr. Ben Carson? I will be uh, doing things as well, yes. In, in the administration? Uh, certainly in an advisory capacity. That's been determined you, when, when you sat down with him that was discussed? Yes. And, and you, you want to tell us, would it be advisory towards medicine, towards education? Well, you know, we haven't hammered out all the details, but it is very important, you know, that we work together and is to it save a, this country. Is it a cabinet position, sir? Um, again, uh, I'm not going to reveal any details about it right now because all of this is still very liquid. Oh, he gave him free crap. Yay! So it turns out that Dr. Ben Carson, the most principled, moral man in the race, is endorsing Donald Trump because nobody else would give him stuff. That's pretty much what it turned out to be. So thank you for that, Dr. Carson. But it's really another one of his comments that he said in this particular interview that strikes me. He says, the way I look at it, even if I don't want to do the Ben Carson voice because if I do it, then people who are listening to this in their cars will drive off roads, crash into bridges, burn buildings down. It's, it, it could get really risky out there. But he says, the way I look at it, even if Donald Trump turns out to not be such a great president, which I don't think is the case, I think he's really going to surround himself with really good people. But even if he didn't, we're only looking at four years. That's opposed to multiple generations and perhaps the loss of the American dream forever. So again, ringing, stirring words from Dr. Carson. Vote for this guy. He might be unbelievably crappy at his job, but it's just four years, gang. So that's, but, the, but the part of that that's actually important is where he says, he's going to be fine. He'll surround himself with really good people. Now, he's not the only one saying this. A lot of people saying this. I, I host a morning radio show out here called The Morning Answer on KRLA 870, and you can listen to it online. And one of the guest hosts today with me was Larry Elder. And Larry's great. Larry and I have known each other since I was 16 years old. He's really a terrific fellow and a really good thinker. And, and Larry was talking about Trump, and he basically said the same thing Carson says there. He says, well, you know, he'll surround himself with good people. I think he'll make good decisions because he surrounds himself with good people. And he's not the only one saying that either. Michael Needham, who's a real hardcore dude who works for Heritage Action for America, last week the Washington Post reported he said this, quote, a President Trump who tries to find policies that address the themes he's been addressing would be a fantastic opportunity for us to shape the policy agenda. So to dumb that down from kind of Washington, D.C. speak English, what that, what that really means is Trump is an empty-headed vessel, and we will fill his head with conservatism. Right? He'll get in there, and then we will make sure that he is surrounded by conservatives at all times, under all circumstances. This, to me, is utter tripe. I don't think this is true in any way, shape, or form. I don't think that Donald Trump is malleable. I don't think that Donald Trump will listen to the people who surround him. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. How's that for a tease? But first, we have to say hello to our other sponsor, Reagan.com. So there are a lot of people out there who are out to get your personal private email information. They're out to get your, your data. And this is corporations. It's the government. Lots of people want that information. It's very valuable. They want to market to you. They want to take things from you. They're identity thieves. And one of the places where you can be sure that they're not going to be able to take information from you, one place that's going to keep all of your desired information confidential is at Reagan.com. You can get your, your name there. It's your name, as you see on the screen, your name at Reagan.com. So Ben Shapiro at Reagan.com. And that's really cool. You get, to, you get to send all of your friends emails that annoy them because you have Reagan at the end of it, which is really neat. Obviously, the, the email privacy is great. Unlike 
all of these other email providers. Reagan.com doesn't copy or scan or sell any of your email content. So your private email stays private. You can access it from anywhere, and it works on all of your various devices. To get involved, all you have to do is go to reaganprivacy.com right now. That's reaganprivacy.com. And you get two free bonus months if you go right now to reaganprivacy.com. So head on over there and say hello to our our other wonderful sponsors, the folks at reagan.com. Again, that's reaganprivacy.com. Okay, so as I was saying, there are a lot of people out there who believe wrongly that they can control Donald Trump. I don't know what in this campaign makes anyone believe you can control Donald Trump. Anything in this campaign makes you believe that you can control Donald Trump in any way. His campaign is out of control. It is an out-of-control train. It's off the tracks. Harrison Ford is running from it, but he's chained by the ankles. He's trying to jump into a ditch. He has to get there before the train runs him over. Will he get there? We don't know, but the train is going to crash, and we're just happy that Harrison Ford threw the cop out the window. Okay, that's the Donald Trump campaign. And you can see it in action every single day. I mean, every single day. So, for example... Donald Trump yesterday. So Todd Palin was in a snowmobile accident up in Alaska. And so Donald Trump did an event with Sarah Palin. And here is Donald Trump at that event talking about Todd Palin's snowmobile accident. So what I say about Second Amendment is this, okay? And you could say the same thing for California with the 14 great people that were killed. There were no bullets going in the opposite direction. If Todd Palin were in that room, frankly, if Sarah Palin were in the room, it would have been, forget about Todd, especially now. If, if Sarah Palin were in that room, but if, if somebody were in that room that had a gun of some kind attached to the hip, attached to the ankle, where bullets could fly in the opposite direction, you wouldn't have had okay. this. I just gave you the Salvador Dali scream face there because what in the world? And this just slips right by people, right? Todd Palin is in the ICU right now. Forget about Todd, especially now. What? What did you just... What just came out of your face, out of that crazy-looking maw of yours? What came out of that? What? Okay, so this is this is the Donald Trump campaign. You think you can control this? You think this isn't a force of nature? This is the Donald Trump campaign, and he will not be stopped. I mean, how out of control is this campaign? So it's not just Trump, by the way. He trots out his campaign surrogates. And I was trying to think this morning. I was thinking, what are some of the most ridiculous presidential press conferences that I've ever seen or, or campaign press conferences that I've ever seen. And sorry, brief time out here. I just want to point out, somebody was tweeting at me earlier, why don't you spend more time attacking the left? Why do you spend all this time attacking Trump? Because Trump is the left, okay? Trump believes all the same things the left believes. He's just lying to you. So anyway, Donald Trump, you know, I was trying to think of embarrassing kind of press conferences. And the first three that came to mind were all Trump, right? It was Trump with Chris Christie behind him looking as though he just discovered that his puppy had died. And then there was the press conference with Ben Carson, where Ben Carson looked like something straight out of an Iranian hostage video. And then there was the press conference with Sarah Palin, where Donald Trump was standing to the side, and Sarah Palin just started screaming and shouting for no reason. Well, if you just can't get enough of Sarah Palin screaming and shouting— and by the way, less people say—I've I've called Hillary Clinton shrill in the past. Less, less people say that I am not a bipartisan fellow. If you look up shrill in the dictionary, under that word, you will now see this video, this exact video. It actually plays in your book. You open up the book, and it's, you think it's not electronic, but it doesn't matter. This video of Sarah Palin plays under the word shrill. Here we go. Doesn't it make you so appreciate your time? Time is our most valuable resource. It makes me appreciate the time 
that we have to spend in doing something so worthy, and that's to get Donald J. Trump elected president. And what we don't have time for is all that petty, punk-ass little thuggery stuff that's been going on with these quote-unquote protesters who are doing nothing but wasting your time and trying to take away your First Amendment rights, your rights to assemble peacefully, and the media okay, we're, we're being done on this. the we're done thug this. Okay, side. So she, what the <sighs> okay, so... There's, there is Sarah Palin explaining that her – by the way, her husband is in the ICU right now. There's Sarah Palin explaining that the most important thing she can be doing while her husband is in the ICU is campaigning for Donald Trump. Oh, happy day. And then she, and then she drops that punk-ass thuggery routine, which – somebody has already cut a very, very funny vine of Sarah Palin doing this, and they put it over a, they put it over a, a dope beat. They put it over a, a rap beat, and so they, they recut it so it's actually Sarah Palin rapping about punk-ass thuggery which is pretty funny. Well, we'll have to grab it for tomorrow because it is, it is pretty humorous. This is the campaign you think you're going to control? These are the people that you think you're going to control? Like the, the, the Donald Trump who trots this out, right? They, you think that this is, this is what you're going to control? Donald Trump surrounds himself with sycophants. It's what he does. He's surrounded consistently all the time by people who, who just kiss his rear. Corey Lewandowski is just one of these people, apparently. Politico has a piece today about Lewandowski and how Lewandowski basically hangs around Trump all the time, and there are even people inside the Trump campaign who are unhappy with Lewandowski. And that's how you end up with Donald Trump on national TV calling Michelle Fields a liar, right, for saying exactly what happened, which is that she was grabbed by the arm by Corey Lewandowski. He surrounds himself with yes-men. I'm firmly convinced that, or at least partially convinced, I won't say firmly, I'm partially convinced that, you know that press conference Trump held after, after he won a bunch of states last, uh, the, on the Tuesday night of last week? I'm, I'm get, I'm, I'm, you remember how he said, Trump steaks still exist. Trump wine still exists. Trump vodka still exists. Trump water still exists. Trump university still exists. Remember he said all these things? I'm at least partially convinced that he thinks they do, that he's not actually lying because all the people who surround him are just telling, he says, are you telling me that Trump steaks no longer exist? Is that what you're telling me? That Trump steaks no longer exist? Is that what you're saying to me right now? And he says, no, no, sir. I'm sure it does exist. Well, good, good. It should. Uh, for example, Here's an anecdote from today's New York Times, right? Quote, Mr. Trump is abundantly proud of his ability to drive a golf ball. Once asking rhetorically during a news conference, do I hit it long? Is Trump strong? Mr. Senecal, who is Trump's former butler, he suggested that Mr. Trump was perhaps not quite as strong as he imagined, remembering times they would hit balls together from the Mar-a-Lago property into the intracoastal waterway, which is always great, you know, hitting it right into the lake. Tony, how far is that, Mr. Trump would ask? It's like 275 yards, Mr. Senecal would respond, though he said the actual distance was 225 yards. Unsurprising, unsurprising. But this is who Trump surrounds himself with. He's never been told no. You can tell he's never been told no because he'll say anything and then he'll back off of it and then he, he acts like a spoiled child. He does. If you've ever dealt with a spoiled child, if you tell that spoiled child no, they just will ignore the no. It's like the no doesn't even exist because their parents have never said, they don't know what the meaning of the word is. So the idea that you're going to control Trump, he gets in the presidency, and don't worry, he'll surround himself with fantastic people. He, even Jeff Sessions on immigration. I like Jeff Sessions, by the way. I know Senator Sessions. Jeff Sessions has this immigration plan that he trotted out for Trump, basically. And Trump, in the debate, the minute he got a little bit kerfl kerfluffled, the minute he got a little flustered, 
Trump immediately dumped part of the, the plan just on stage in the middle of the stage. He just dumped it. I mean, it, like he threw it up on stage. And then right afterward, he tweeted out, oh, yeah, by the way, I, I still am on board with the original plan. So he shifts his position on whim. The idea that you're going to control him is absurd. Roger Stone, who's a former consultant to Trump, still a pro-Trump guy, he said he keeps his own counsel. He has succeeded so far by being his own man. So it's very tough to convince him not to continue on the course that has brought him this far. He's 69 years old, folks. He is not going to change. This is not somebody who, if you talk nicely to him, who if you just make, if you, that if you just stick with him and you surround him with all the right people, he'll be cajoled, he'll be, he'll be convinced to do the right thing. And I, and I think that, you know, ladies, Lindsay knows the answer to this question. Mothers, fathers tell their daughters, don't marry a guy to change him. Don't do it. Don't date a guy thinking you're going to change him. Republicans are about to jump in bed with a guy they think they can change. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not happening. Not going to. It's just not. Okay, so that's one thing I wanted to talk about today. Second thing that I wanted to talk about today in terms of, of all things Trump, because he now controls the news cycle, he has it throttled in his tiny man hands, is, is that there's this other kind of argument going around, and it's a good argument that, that Trump is the lesser of two evils. He's the lesser of two evils. And so every time somebody says something bad about Trump, somebody comes back with something bad about Obama or Hillary or Sanders. Okay, that's not totally unfair. And you're seeing a lot of people do this. Here's Katrina Pearson, for example. This is Trump's spokesperson saying that, you know, when, when Trump uses violent rhetoric, you know, that is, that is something that, is the, that Obama started it. Here's Katrina Pearson. The Trump campaign deny that anybody's been hurt. Well, I think this is exactly what I wanted to talk about, uh, in all honesty, Jake, because the one thing the media does not show is what happens prior to these events, where you do have these Black Lives Matter protesters go out there, whether it's moveon.org pushing people out to these things or not. They go into these Trump rallies, and they start swinging and kicking. They throw themselves on the ground, start throwing themselves into people, and then expect to not be pushed off of them. That's what you see happening. Unfortunately, the media doesn't want to show that part. And I'll say this. If we want to talk about inciting violence, where is the interview with Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama when they're talking about bringing a gun to a knife fight, when they're inciting violence against police officers? Today, we have police officers called out to fake calls so they can be ambushed and potentially assassinated. And we're talking about protesters, paid protesters, going to disrupt a Republican rally. If it wasn't Donald Trump, it would be any of the other candidates on this panel, and they know it. Well, I mean, the line from The Untouchables about bringing a... A, a gun to a knife fight. I think uh, people recognize that that was a, a, an allusion to a. I don't Sean think Connor. so. I didn't. I didn't recognize that. Okay, Absolutely well, not. Okay. You should check out the film The Untouchables. Okay. So, so there she is, not knowing what The Untouchables is. But that doesn't change the the point. I mean, the point in in The Untouchables is that you have to bring greater violence to lesser violence. I mean, in, in case Jake Tapper has not actually seen The Untouchables, what proceeds from there is that they immediately break into a still, guns blazing. That's literally the next scene after the you bring a knife, to, a gun to a knife fight. So let's, so let's, you know, we'll take it easy on Katrina Pearson. But what she's basically saying here is actually right, right? What Trump's people are saying here are, is correct. The left does this kind of stuff all the time, and they do. The, the left has been incentivizing violence for years, right? The Black Lives Matter movement, which says that cops are out to get you and suggests that riots are okay, that is incentivizing violence, and it is inciting violence. No question about it. When you have the mayor of Baltimore saying that she gives rioters room to riot, when you have the DOJ saying they're going to go easy on offenders because they don't want to offend the local communities, 
you know, this is stuff that, that actually ends in violence. It's why you've seen a significant uptick in the last couple of years in violence. And this scares me. I mean, I think that, as I've mentioned a couple of times, great book. I just finished Barry Latzer's book, The Rise and Fall of Violent Crime in America. And he talks about how from, the six, from 1960 to 1990, the, the violent crime in the United States rose 400%, so multiplied by four times, right, to the point where there was a statistic in the early 1980s that if the crime statistics stayed the same for the next 20 years as they were that year, a person living then would have a 40% chance of being victimized in a violent altercation, right? I mean, it was that bad. And the reason it got that bad is because of social unrest, because there was no social, there were no social ties that bind. There was no common decency. There was no notion that, that we're supposed to hold things together. Civility is not a word that I'm real fond of because I think that people use it for the wrong reason. But there's such a thing as civilized. That's a, that's a word I like better. Civility suggests that you can't use harsh language against people. Or, or against causes, more importantly. Civilized implies you can't use violence against people, so that's why I like civilized better than, than just being civil to people. But in any case, the, the notion that, that is being pushed forward here by Pearson is right, that, that Obama has been pushing violence, and, and Newt Gingrich did the same thing. Here's Newt Gingrich yesterday doing the same thing. Here with Reaction, author of the New York Times bestseller, Duplicity. He's a former Speaker of the House, Fox News contributor, Newt Gingrich. Mr. Speaker, it's, it's sort of like the same left-wing, I'll use the word fascism, that we see on college campuses. Mark Thiessen had a piece today. Condi Rice, other people have been shut down, denied opportunities to speak because they're conservative. Seems like the same thing's happening here. Thoughts? Well, it, it, look, first of all, the actions Friday night clearly were left-wing fascism, and you're exactly right. I'm, I'm really saddened by any Republican who wants to blame Trump. Uh, Donald Trump wasn't the reason, for example, that, uh, as you point out, Condi Rice gets canceled, Ben Carson gets canceled on the campus, Ayan Hirsi Ali gets canceled on the campus. The fact is you have this entire movement of fascism, which is saying, if you don't agree with me, I'm going to shut up your right to speak, I'm going to intimidate you, I'm going to bully you. And they're terrified of Trump because he seems to be strong enough and dynamic enough to take him head on. But it's worse than that in the news media. Uh, you have on MSNBC, for example, Rachel Maddow suggesting that for Trump to go to Chicago, Cleveland, or St. Louis is provocative because of racial incidents that have occurred in those three cities. Now, imagine an American television figure suggesting that a presidential candidate shouldn't visit Chicago, Cleveland, or St. Louis. This is madness. And yeah. I think we have some obligation to say to the news media, you know, you need to get off this Trump bashing and report honestly, not just in the presidential race, but on the campuses, what is happening. So this is totally true, obviously. And he, he you know, he says that a bunch of people have been canceled because of requests. Yeah. And then we personally, all of us in this room experienced a riot almost at, at Cal State LA. So we know what he's saying is exactly right. What, what Gingrich is saying is exactly right. And Trump people have a legit critique here, which is that there is a double standard. When Trump uses rhetoric that incites people to violence or, or allegedly incites people to violence, then people are all over him. And when the left does it, nobody notices. All 100% true. All of this is right. And Bill O'Reilly says the same thing, right? Here's Bill O'Reilly on Fox News last night saying people who are criticizing Trump's authoritarian streak, most of them are authoritarian, right? And he's correct, too. Here's Bill O'Reilly. Opposition to Donald Trump is not the issue here. True fascism is. We have seen some anti-Trump people use the fascist salute while taunting Trump supporters. But here's a very simple question. 
shutting down opposing points of view is totalitarian, right? So some of the very people accusing Trump supporters of being fascist are really practicing that terrible philosophy themselves. Okay. Or am I wrong? Okay, so he's not wrong. A lot of the people who are trying to shut down Trump are the same people who the Trump people are, right? I mean, so, but, but this is the point. This is the point. Two things can be true at once. I know this is a difficult concept for some folks. Two things can be true at once. It is wrong for Democrats to pander and to, and to make room for people to be violent and to incentivize people to be violent and to incite people to be violent. It is wrong. It is deeply wrong. It is evil. It is wrong to do all those things. Also, it is wrong for Donald Trump to get up on stage and say that people should be punched in the face for expressing protest or that people should be taken out on stretchers for disagreeing with him or that he will pay the legal bills of people who punch people in the face for no reason other than protesting. That is wrong, too. Turns out that that excuse that your, that your kid used in third grade or that you used to use yourself, it doesn't work in real life. Okay, remember that, that excuse? Well, he was doing it, too. And you're breaking into, you know, you broke a window while he, Bobby was doing it, too. Turns out Bobby's wrong, and so are you, gang. So when, when it comes to the left doing it, the left is evil. The, they, they do this on a routine basis. They do it far more than the right. The reason I'm cracking down on Trump is specifically because we have a chance at saving the right. Do you understand? Okay, so this is what's so perturbing about all this. People say, why do you focus on Trump so much? Right? Why, why the focus on Trump? Why not focus on the left? Just bash the left. Bash the left. So let's say that you have two kids. And right now I have a kid and another one on the way, so I'm very in a, in a child-rearing mode. But let's say you have two kids, and one kid is just thoroughgoing bad. One kid is just a socio sociopathic, awful kid, just a, a troublemaker, bad all the way through. And you have another kid, and that kid's a good kid. It's a good kid. Kid does things that are right, does, does things that are moral. And the good kid starts hanging around the bad kid. And one day you find the, the good kid and he's got a can of spray paint, and he's spray painting the wall of the next-door neighbor. Right? Who do you punish more? The bad kid who you find doing that or the good kid you find doing that? Who do you punish? Who do you go after? Do you go after the bad kid or do you go after the good kid? In my view, you do not treat them equally. You do not treat them equally. It is much more important. It is much more important. If I'm the parents of, of both kids, it's more important for me to single out the kid who is good you know why? Because that kid actually has a chance of being good. The kid who's bad, the sociopath, he's going to be bad no matter what. Right? You can try and you, you can try and, and you have to assume my premise that this kid is going to be bad no matter what. That is the American left. The American left will be bad no matter what. They're not going to stop doing this. They've been doing this for well over 100 years. They're not going to stop being they're not going to stop being disruptive and violent and vile. They're not going to stop doing. The left will not stop doing that. But we here on the right we represent something better than that. And if we see something bad in ourselves, let's stop ourselves. We don't want to become them. I don't want the good kid to become the bad kid. I don't want two bad kids. It's enough to have one bad kid. I want to bring up the good kid to fight the bad kid. I want to bring ourselves so we can fight them. And when I say fight them, I don't mean go out in the streets and, and punch people because they're protesting. I mean, I want to bring up people who know right from wrong. And, and right now, we're... we're Getting down, it, it's, it's not even getting down in the mud. That's not even the proper phrase. Because getting down in the mud politically means that you're, you're willing to say anything. I mean, violating basic rules of decency because we're loyal to a political candidate. And that, to me, is just the highest form of grossness. It really is yucky. Okay, so a couple final points here. Meanwhile, on the, I will talk about the left briefly here. 
Hillary Clinton is just, if the media were actually fair, which they are not, they would be covering the fact that Hillary Clinton is a sideshow. She's a disaster area. Here are a couple of things that Hillary Clinton said yesterday that demonstrate just what a disaster area she is. This is what's so frustrating. She's a disaster, and we're going to run a guy who signed her checks and is less popular than she is against her. Here's Hillary Clinton yesterday talking about what she's going to do about coal, the coal industry. I'm the only candidate which has a policy about how to bring economic opportunity using clean, renewable energy as the key into coal country because we're going to put a lot of coal miners and coal companies out of business. Right, Tim? And we're going to make it clear that we don't want to forget those people. Those people labored in those mines for generations, losing their health, often losing their lives to turn on our lights and power our factories. Now we've got to move away from coal and all the other fossil fuels. But I don't want to move away from the people who did the best they could to produce the energy that we relied on. Okay, so that, there's a pretty good campaign ad for Republicans in Ohio and Pennsylvania. She wants to destroy the coal industry and put coal companies out of business. But don't worry. She's got cash for you in those giant crazy pockets that she has on this particular outfit. All the cash is in there, along with her cankles. So, so Hillary Clinton saying that she wants to kill coal jobs. Again, she's a terrible candidate. And then just to double down on how terrible she is, she was asked about Libya, right, about her Libya war. Here's what she said about her Libya war. And boy, I mean, Lindsay, you do makeup. How much makeup is she wearing here? This is about, I mean, th this is, yeah, I mean, that's right. You need a chisel to get this stuff off at the end of the day. Here's, here's Hillary Clinton. Forces. Now, is Libya perfect? It isn't. But did they have two elections that were free and fair where they voted for moderates? Yes, they did. So, you know, changing from a dictator who has hollowed out your country to something resembling a functioning state and even hopefully more of a democratic one doesn't happen overnight. And we've got to continue to support the Libyan people to give them a chance yeah. because otherwise you see what's happened in Syria with the consequences of millions of people flooding out of Syria with more than 250,000 people killed with terrorist groups like ISIS taking up almost uh, a huge swath of territory as big as some of the states in that area. So, yes, I mean, Libya was a different uh, kind of uh, calculation, yeah. and we didn't lose a single person. We didn't lose a single person in Libya. Hmm. Hmm. Let's think about it. Did we lose a single person in Libya? Can, can anybody remember any, like, big news story where we might have had some people killed in Libya? Hmm. Let's say maybe there was, like, a major motion picture that came out based on the fact that we lost some people in Libya. Slipping my mind. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, there were four people who got killed in Benghazi. And by the way, this idea there were free and fair elections, and it's not things aren't ideal over there. Okay, things aren't ideal over there is the greatest understatement since Bill Clinton might be a philanderer, right? Okay, this is things things are not going fantastically well over there. Try again, sucker. I mean, things that that is a wild understatement. Things are a disaster over there. Terrorists control the country, and the legitimate government is meeting in secret sometimes in boats offshore. So, yes, Hillary Clinton, you've just been, you're a joy. So Hillary Clinton continues to be just a, a disaster. And by the way, so is Bernie Sanders. I mean, listen to, here's Bernie Sanders. Listen to what he says about climate change. I mean, the Democrats are so off their rockers. They are so nuts. And the only more insane person we could find is Donald Trump. We're going to go with that guy. I mean, it's, it's like we have a pathological death wish in the Republican Party. In 2008, we have, Bush is super unpopular, so we run the guy who is even more of a, of a pro-war guy than Bush. In John McCain. In 2012, 
Obamacare is super unpopular, so we run the guy who invented it. And in 2016, we have two of the most corrupt and, and insane political candidates on the left running, and we're going to counter them with the most corrupt, insane guy we can find. I mean, we could have found a, schizo a homeless schizophrenic living on the streets of Los Angeles and run him for president, and he'd be giving more coherent answers half the time than the current Republican frontrunner. But here's Bernie Sanders being a complete kook nut job. Here he is. I look at climate change almost in military terms. I look at the fact that if we do not significantly reduce carbon emissions, there's going to be massive damage done to our country and this planet. But I have absolute confidence. So you would marshal that kind of resource? I think you've got to look at it almost as a warlike. We are being attacked, and the attack is coming from climate change. And you know what that means? That's going to mean more extreme weather disturbances. Look at what's going on in California in terms of drought. You're going to have, the CIA tells us, more international conflict as people's fight over limited natural resources. We do have. Now, what really shocks me and should shock every student here is you got a Republican Party, with few exceptions, that refuses to even acknowledge the reality of climate change, let alone do something about it. And you know what that's about? It's not that the Republicans don't understand science. It's they are dependent for their campaign contributions on the fossil fuel it's industry, easy, easy, which man. takes us to the most important issue, and that is the need to overturn Citizens United oh boy. I mean, and end the corrupt campaign finance system. It's a string of, of utter nonsense. My favorite part there is when he says that we have to fight climate change in military terms. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's exactly what we need to do. That's right. We're going to, we're going to put everybody in barracks and put everybody on rationing to fight climate change, Bernie. And by the way, at a certain point in this campaign, his voice will ultimately give out, and he will just be staring at the camera going like this and waving his arms like a crazy person. Okay, time for a couple of things that I like and then really no things I hate today, and I'll tell you why in a second. So uh, so a couple of things that I like. Saturday Night Live mocked uh, Hillary Clinton the other day for basically hijacking Bernie Sanders' campaign slogans. Here's what it looked like. Since the beginning of my campaign, I have constantly said we need a revolution in the streets. Millions of people coming together because America should be for everyone, not just a handful of millionaires and billionaires. I know you millennials. You're fired up. You're angry. And I'm angry, too, because the top 10% of the top 1% control 90% of the wealth in this country. And I've always said that. Ever since I was a young boy growing up in Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn. And when it comes to that darn Wall Street, I've always believed no bank can be too big to fail, no executive too, you know the rest. It's that famous mobilizing sentence that works on you guys that I've been saying this whole time. So thank you, millennials, for lending your support to the biggest outsider Jew in the race, Hillary Rodham Clinton. There's a lot of work to be done, and that is why I am sick and tired of hearing about my own damn emails. This message was paid for by Hillary Clinton. Feel the that's exactly right. For her. That's exactly right. She, she hijacked the, the Bernie Sanders campaign, so that's, that's funny stuff. Okay, so... No more things that I like, but I will say one one brief note. So yesterday, uh, and, and I might as well put this under things I hate because I really do hate it. Um, yesterday, I was uh, targeted by Breitbart News very early in the morning by an article uh, that was put under my father's pseudonym. So my dad was a writer for Breitbart News also. He resigned about half an hour after I did on Sunday night. 
And they posted an article over at Breitbart News that was an absolute scurrilous hit piece that is ridiculous. I talked about it a little bit on yesterday's show. And they posted it under the byline William Bigelow. The reason they did that is because my dad's pseudonym over at Breitbart was William Bigelow. And he wrote under a pseudonym for two reasons. One is, if he screwed something up, he didn't want it to blow back on me. He didn't want it to turn into a, okay, we'll get Ben because his dad screwed something up. And two, he never wants his career to conflict with mine. And two, I get lots of death threats, and he didn't. I, I asked him to write under a pseudonym because I don't want him getting death threats too because it's just more stuff for us to worry about. I already sleep with a gun by my bed. I didn't feel like he needs to do that too. So, you know, my, so that's the, so Breitbart wrote it under William Bigelow knowing I would then have to talk publicly about who William Bigelow is. Uh, it's a nasty, nasty thing to do. I just want to sign off by it, but it's, and it's, it's even nastier because all I can say about my father is that my father is the most wonderful person that I know. My father is a, a uh, you know, obviously aside from my wife and child, my father is an unbelievable human being. Anybody who knows him knows what a wonderful guy my dad is. He cares about everyone. He takes care of everybody. Um, he is a strong believer in the truth and in right and wrong. Uh, he, people don't believe I'm related to him, how warm he is. He's a deeply warm human being. Um, and for Breitbart to target him like that is deeply despicable. Um, but, you know, this is, the, this is the new American politics, I suppose, where if you cross Donald Trump or any of his allies, uh, then you can expect that sort of thing. That's the thing that I hate for today. That's the thing that I hate for today. I love my father. Uh, I love you, Dad. And, uh, and I find this whole thing utterly reprehensible. And, uh, and I would hope that we get to a point in our politics where we can, where we can stop with this sort of gauche, disgusting nonsense and just get back to, I don't know, how about the ideas? How about the ideas? Is that too much to ask? Well, we'll find out tonight. And tonight's Super Tuesday, so I could come in tomorrow missing a hand because I stuck it in the garbage disposal if Donald Trump won. We'll find out. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.